Sounds like football, baby. <laughs> What up, folks? Welcome back into the Fantasy Football Smackdown. It is Monday night, June 7th, recording this. I'm your host, Kyle August. You can follow me on Twitter at KyleMonth8. With me, as always, the co-host of Fantasy Football Smackdown, the excellence of execution. It's Jake. Rip your heart out. Jake Rip. What up, Jake? Dude, what's going on? Dude, good to have you back. It was it's We just recorded last Thursday because of the weird Memorial Day schedule, so it's a quick turnaround for us. But we are uh, pleased to be joined by a third member of the crew tonight. Uh, you know him as Addison Hayes at Amaze Hayes underscore. I know him as the man with the worst Girl Scouts cookies takes in all of America. What up, Addison? <laughs> oh man, you really went right into it at the beginning, huh? <laughs> we can't let you can't let you off the hook. Anytime I see you, I'm just like, damn, that guy doesn't know Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> That's all right. I can scoop them all up because I know every time I go up to a Girl Scout stand, they got a whole box of those shortbreads because nobody wants them. And I'm like, yo, give me give me like half of that box. They're, to go. they're never they're they're never out of stock. That is for Kyle, sure. though. Kyle's wanted to talk about weird take weird takes. Mr. Uh, Crackling Oats brand. Series. Hey, calm down, man. This is that's that's forever. My best take on this show of all time. So the, the remnants. <laughs> the remnants. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> um, we, we've had we've had some fun over the last year or so doing this. Uh, we've we've been on the podcast, the three of us together, probably at least three times, maybe four. Um, but uh, I wanted to have Addison on with us tonight because we talked some draft strategy. We kind of kicked this series off last week, talking zero RB, looking at what 2021 redraft will look like if you go with that. Um, so Jake and I talked about that last week. If you missed the podcast, it dropped a little bit later in the week. So check that back out if you missed it. We did a quick mock draft with that strategy right afterwards as well. So we went through and how that would actually look um, if you wanted to go zero RB in 2021. So if you missed that, go back. Um, and obviously stay subscribed for all of the Dynasty Warzone Network shows. But uh, wanted Addison on here because we're going to continue some draft strategy a little bit here. We're going to jump into auction. Uh, as Jake, Addison, and I were in a startup dynasty auction uh, this last Saturday, it was a ton of fun. We did this over on Reality Sports Online, uh, and this was the first time that Jake and Addison had uh, done an auction on RSO, and it was Jake's first ever auction. Uh, so <laughs> we're gonna get their takes on how this thing went down. And uh, I, I always like doing this because it, you know it gives a fresh perspective. We just we're just a couple days removed, but anyone that's out there waiting to take a dive into auction. You're going to get a kind of a firsthand experience through these two. It's going to be a lot of fun. But before we do that, I think we just got to talk about the Julio Jones news Sunday. Julio Jones dealt to the Tennessee Titans. Jake, you're obviously our resident Falcons fan here. So I'm just going to I'm just going to hand the reins over to you. What was your initial thoughts as a Falcons fan before we kind of get into the fantasy ramifications here? As a Falcons fan, naturally, I'm, I don't know, man. Like, I'm still a little bit bummed, at least. You know, Shannon Sharp kind of softened the blow when he spilled the beans kind of last week uh, when Julio said live on the air that he's already out of Atlanta. But uh, and there we go. Now the, now the Band-Aid's ripped off. And this, this Tennessee offense, it, it's going to be scary, man. I mean, I don't know so much about that defense, but for fantasy purposes, um, I'll take whatever piece of that Tennessee offense I can get. I know you and I have been kind of like uh, – ish on Ryan Tannehill I guess I, I could say it that way yeah uh, I'm all in now he, you know, 
I, I want every bit of Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I think this is amazing for Derrick Henry. Can you imagine defenses? They go from, you know, stack the box and this guy's going to run for 2,000 yards and 20 touchdowns against you. That's not happening anymore now with these two wide receivers split up on either ends and A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. So uh, I'm excited to see how things go in Tennessee. Uh, I'm not so excited about Atlanta, but who knows, man? I mean, Kyle Pitts looks like it's nothing but wheels up for him going forward, huh? And of course, this comes down in early June, which was part of the cap, uh, you know, structure and how they had to wait out and do this. But obviously, obviously, the majority of us already threw rookie drafts. So if you got Kyle Pitts in, you know, I mean, hell, some people would say at the 101, uh, that's just a bright, perfect value for him uh, going right out of the gate. Going to be the number two target in that offense. Addison, I see you got the uh, you got the vintage Corey Davis, I believe, is that <laughs> behind you there. So that is. <laughs> so uh, we got the Corey Davis replacement now. <laughs> In Tennessee, as they make an upgrade of mm-hmm. sorts to get Julio Jones. What was your thoughts when you heard this uh, news come down? I mean, first off, finally, um, as somebody without a, you know a horse in the race in this one in terms of fandom on either side, uh, I would just from a fantasy football side, I was like, man, is Julio Jones going to get traded today? Can he can he get traded today so we can just move on and talk about this? Because these rumors have been swirling since before the NFL draft. <laughs> And they really started to pick up over the last week or so. Um, and so first, finally, is, is was really my first reaction. Um, yeah, I mean, this is wheels up for Calvin Ridley. Uh, I jumped on the Kyle Pitts train really hard over the past couple of days. Was something that I was kind of against, um, at least initially. But if you move past the, the tight end designation, I really think that this is going to be Kyle Pitts as the wide receiver two for the Atlanta Falcons. He's going to be on you know the outside across from Calvin Ridley that allows Hayden Hurst to still be more of the traditional inline tight end. And, you know, if that's the case, Matt Ryan's still going to throw probably 600 times a year because he's done that over the past three years. And there's really nothing that's going to change, I think, offensively for that offense. And so Kyle Pitts could realistically see 100-plus targets in year one. And I think he could be the most productive rookie pass catcher from this 2021 class you know, including being more productive than Jamar Chase, if not at least right there with Chase. So to have that type of production in your tight end slot is really the route and the situation that we were looking for for Kyle Pitts to become this next, you know, Jimmy Graham, Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey tight end as a difference maker on your roster. So this is just wheels up for, I think, everybody on the Falcons offense in terms of pass catching. And then Tennessee, I think, it's just kind of status quo for AJ Brown in terms of what he's already been doing. Um, yeah. I mean, it kind of sucks that he's not going to get, you know, like 175 or more targets, but you know, he was still a wide receiver two last year with 110 targets or whatever it was in 14 games. Don't think that really changes. Um, I think Julio Jones is still going to be fine as a wide receiver two. Derek Henry obviously is just going to do it all again. Um, I was trying to find, I saw some random, uh, I don't, I, I guess it was a random person. I didn't really know who it was, but he had a, he posted a stat on how are you going to stop this Titans offense? And he had, are you going to, you know, try to stop AJ Brown and Julio Jones only have six men in the box. Cause that's Derek Henry's, you know, he eats there and has only seen that over like a very small percentage of his actual runs over the past couple of years. That's some <laughs> insane yards per carry against six men in the box, seven men in the box. AJ Brown has some ridiculous, like over four yards per route run against seven men in the box. And then if you have eight men in the box to stop Derrick Henry, that means you have single coverage on Julio Jones and you're screwed. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> I mean, it's just it's it's going to be insane uh, what that offense is going to be able to do and how you're really going to be able to stop it. Um, it's there. They honestly could get into scoring, you know, battles with Kansas City, with Baltimore, uh, and even you know if they make it to the Super Bowl with Tampa Bay or or Green Bay if Aaron Rodgers is still there, they could be a really high powered offensive team scoring wise. It's going to be interesting for sure when not just because of the names that, you know, and how it shook out here, but when you factor in as well, part of the reason that, you know, Jake kind of alluded to it, I was pretty down on Tannehill. Jake and I were both, you know, had him down in our rankings. I had him blacklisted on a show that we did earlier this offseason just because, man, I, I just didn't see it. I didn't, you know, he was losing targets. They didn't add anybody until this weekend. Uh, and he lost Arthur Smith, right, who goes to Atlanta, weirdly enough. Um, and then they ship Julio Jones back to Tennessee. So, um, few, here's a few quick notes, kind of how I, I landed on this, you know, of, uh, so again, factoring in the offensive coordinator change, there's a little bit of unknown with Tennessee. You also look at the fact their defense kind of declined a bit last year, despite Vrabel, you know, being at the helm there, but Ryan Tannehill was 18th in pass attempts last season. He had the fourth highest touchdown percentage that with addition of seven rushing touchdowns, he was obviously a stud once again, for fantasy purposes, uh, 33 passing touchdowns for him. Addison nailed it. Uh, A.J. Brown had 106 targets in 14 games. That was 21st among wide receivers, and he still was putting up production. Seven and a half targets per game. Weirdly enough, Corey Davis had exactly one less target per game. He had 92 targets in 14 games as well. Um, so, And we saw Corey Davis put up. He was definitely usable, and we all agree that <laughs> Julio Jones is a talent upgrade uh, over Corey Davis uh, in that offense. So, you know, on the Tennessee side, I'm – RIP to all my Josh Reynolds shares I've been acquiring over the last uh, few weeks. Uh, but yeah, for me, Tannehill, definitely. I'm a believer now. I'm with you, Jake. He was he was outside the top 15 for me just because there were some other guys I liked with upside, but he moves it into the top 10 for me at QB this season. A.J. Brown, I think, stays status quo. I think Addison nailed that. If anyone's freaking out on A.J. Brown, <laughs> go get him in Dynasty Leagues. Go, he's, he, like I said, he's been productive over the, his career so far on low target numbers. Julio for me did drop a few spots. I had him just outside the top 15. He's still wide receiver too, uh, but I jumped uh, the Rams wide receivers over him and Michael Thomas. Um, I just think that Julio's target numbers, he's not going to see 140, 150, you know, targets like, you know, he had in Atlanta in the past. So now when you're talking about low target numbers, a la AJ Brown, you need touchdowns to go with that. And Julio hasn't necessarily done that over the course of his career. <laughs> finally, finally where we see Julio <laughs> touchdown Jones. I hope so, but uh, he's a wide receiver too for me this season. Um, so obviously, I think whether you're talking dynasty or redraft, you kind of have to value him almost similarly <laughs> because I'm not sure how long that window is. On the Atlanta side, Ridley, you know, is going to see even more looks, you know, than people might have thought, you know, a few weeks ago with three guys there. Now it's just back down to two. Addison made some great points there, so I don't think I need to go too far into that. But I will throw this out there because I've seen a lot of these with and without Julio stats. So I'll break it down for you guys real quick. With Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley in eight games, he averaged eight targets, five receptions for 76 yards per game, averaging 15 fantasy points per game and half PPR. Seven games without Julio. He had three more targets a game. That was 11. He had two more catches per game, up to seven. His yardage jumped from 76 yards per game to 109. Uh, and his fantasy points per game went from 15 to 16.7 and half PPR. Um the only weird thing, if you really want to chop up all the numbers, is like the game with Julio actually included that weird ass game against Green Bay, where Julio came back from injury, 
uh, Ridley got the main coverage from Alexander and he was shut out. So if you take out that Green Bay game, uh, Ridley's numbers are actually better with Julio. So you can really make these stats sing however you want. Um, but I think ultimately what we're going to see is this is a team that's going to have to throw a ton. Um, so I think Ridley is going to be great. But for me, Matty Ice, he pretty much swaps places with Ryan Tannehill. He was up in the top 10 with that Kyle Pitts maneuver. For me, he's back down. He is, for me, in my rankings. Uh, <laughs> he dropped for me down to QB 18 behind Burrow, Cousins, and Big Ben. So I don't really love it. <laughs> no, uh, real quick you know. on uh, Ridley. I've seen yeah. some people on Twitter dancing around with the idea of potentially Calvin Ridley wide receiver one this season, like the wide receiver one this season. Yes, in play, you think? I, yes. I, I think I think it's in play for him. Um he's he in top he, five last year. Yeah. So yeah, he was top five <laughs> last year. So I think it's definitely there. It's it's a possibility for sure. Um, you know, I just the, the biggest thing that sucks for me with this whole thing is just I was really thinking that Matty Ice could bounce back. You know, he had so many up and down games last year. Um I did take a look at this. Uh with Julio Jones, he was averaging 19 fantasy points per game that would have been QB 12 that's Kirk Cousins-esque uh last season but without Julio Jones he was at 15.7 points per game that was QB 25 so I think with Pitts being there that adds you know it probably puts him somewhere in between but man I don't know if I feel extremely comfortable kind of setting and forgetting with Matty Ice and as, as my QB for redraft um this year so uh last question I had for you uh Jake we we've kind of been joking around about Kyle Pitts <laughs> before this, that he was going like his, uh, I believe in sleeper redraft ADP. He was 48th overall. Yeah. You remember, before, you remember that this. value. <laughs> yes. That value. Are, are you, ta- are you, ta- would you take him in round four in redraft league? <laughs> no tight end premium. No tight end premium. Just straight uh, up. No, it's still, still too scary for me, man. Um, I'm sure I'll end up eating those words come week one when he sees 10 targets. And I mean, that won't surprise me at all. And what Addison is saying totally makes sense. Seeing him lined up as a receiver. I can see it all happening. Uh, but I mean, the, the players that are available in round four, I'm going to have such a hard time taking the Kyle Pitts gamble with the, the kind of talent that's going to be still on the board. Oh uh, yeah, I I'm with you, man. It just he's he's gonna outprice himself for me, and unfortunately, Kyle Pitts has been in the league for what exactly thirty days or whatever, and I will just already know I will never own him in any leagues ever. You know what? <laughs> I I would take him over Hawkinson for what that's worth. I don't know if that I'm sure that's not hot takey at all after Julio Jones is gone, but he does move over Hawkinson in my rankings for me. Where where would he fall for you, Addison, in redraft for the just this season? So we're talking about rookie production for Kyle Pitts. Are you taking him? Are you taking him as high as four? Does is he better than Waller? He's five for me. He's behind Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, and Hawkinson. I would still take Hawk. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Just because I think Hawk is I Hawk is gonna have like 140 targets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like so and uh, but I would take the shot on Pitts over you know Andrews and Fant and uh, like all those other guys because I think if you're swinging for the fences at that point. Absolutely. You know, Kyle Pitts could realistically be like a top 10 wide receiver in your tight end slot. <laughs> yeah, nope, for sure. He definitely solidified himself uh, for me as well. I bumped him up to tight end four. So I, I think Hawkinson Pitts is going to be the debate. Um, but I think just the upside now that Julio is gone, the targets are going to just be unbelievable. Um, but uh, yeah, and because of that reason, too, I think Addison said it right. Like Pitts is the wide receiver, too. I, 
I don't really care about any of these other names. If you want to, if you want to take a shot on Russell Gage now in a deeper league, like I guess that's fine. But like you can take worse swings you know, than Russell Gage that, for that's, that's worth. But yeah, yeah, like Kyle. Josh Reynolds now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Josh Reynolds, what could have been? I have so many teams with him just stashed for this entire time, and I thought oh, I was. I, I thought I had. I made it through free agency. I made it through the draft, and little did I know. It would be a June, what, June 5th trade or whatever. <laughs> I took them just, just this weekend, too, in that auction draft. I was like, oh, I got me a good one here in Josh Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's a perfect segue. I took Matty Ice, and we're going to dive right into that, uh, <laughs> that auction right here off the top. So I'll kind of set the table once again. Uh, we did a, a startup uh, dynasty league on Reality Sports Online. So I'll uh, for those of you who haven't played over at RSO, uh, first off, we have no connection sponsorship, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of steer the conversation back to Addison and Jake to get their initial thoughts. Boys, don't hold back. Let me know your honest opinion on this because positive, negative, whatever. We ain't, we ain't getting anything from him anyway. But uh, for those of you that may not be familiar with Reality Sports Online, honestly, is a great group of guys. They've always been really good to me over the years. I've I've done multiple leagues with them. They're really responsive. They try to make updates, corrections. They give you all the tools that you need as a commissioner. So there's definitely a ton of positives. On the other side of it, too, this is a very unique uh, way to play fantasy football as the, the site provides you the ability to manage players with a salary cap and contracts. So it's dynasty-esque that you can expand your multi-year contracts as much as you want as the commissioner. And those contracts obviously carry over through the length of uh, their duration. But you also have more players going into the pool year after year on expiring contracts. So it's dynasty in the, in the from the standpoint of your roster is going to go and carry over over time, but with a caveat that some contracts will expire, there will be players available to you that you would not have in a normal dynasty auction. Um, so that's what we did this weekend. Uh, the three of us and a bunch of guys from the uh, Warzone Patreon, uh, a few other guys that we recruited into this thing, and most of which were all players doing this for the very first time as fantasy owners. So this was, this is definitely a, a, again, a unique thing to do. I will say this off the top as well. If you want to take a dive after listening to this conversation into reality sports online, which I highly do suggest because it is one of my favorite format formats, you need dedicated people <laughs> that are willing to sit at a computer for very long periods of time because mm -hmm. this thing is not quick and you can't auto draft this thing. This is, this is serious. So if you want to take the next level, uh to your game man this is uh this is a great way to do that but uh let's let's kick it to the guest first i guess addison what initially was your thoughts just on you know i think you actually were the one that brought this up somehow you finagled me into running it um but uh what, what was your initial thoughts on, on how this was going to play out and your experience yeah i mean first of all I, I recruited you because i heard you talking with uh jerry on this podcast last year about y'all's experience with your RSO last year and Jerry's first experience and stuff. And RSO was always a format and, you know, league hosting site that I wanted to get into for the first time, because I do think that it is very unique. It is salary cap and contract, which, you know, you can definitely do on other sites as well, like MFL uh, or I don't know how many other ones. Fantrax, I think does it too, but this one is unique because the computer does it all for you. So that's very helpful. You don't have to do any you know, behind the scenes work or math or whatnot and doing more commissioner work. So the computer does it all for you and the system does it all. Um, it adds in, you know, the whole like franchise tag thing, the salaries getting increased per year as they go on and whatnot. Uh, so it's all 
extremely interesting uh, and a very unique lifelike you know situation and format uh, and what i love about it too as well uh, and another note is it makes more players valuable i think because especially those older players uh, or guys that you're not necessarily sure on like derrick henry i'm looking at uh, i tracked every single uh, player and their value that they went for um, and derrick henry went for a one-year 15 and a half million dollar deal which i mean for Der- you're basically buying derrick henry for 2021 and then he's going to go to the free agency pool next year and we'll reevaluate where he's at same with tom brady i won tom brady on a two-year deal um, as one of my starting quarterbacks that's i think really valuable because i feel very confident that brady's going to be really good this year and potentially next year if he stays so you know it just makes those players more valuable than you know if you're sitting there with like miles gaskin on your roster and you're like man i wish i could get like a second form, but nobody's offering you a second because he's only got 2021 value. Uh, but if a team really needs him, you know, and the contract's right, it works. So I really enjoyed the auction overall. Um, I thought it was really, really fun. The only, um, I don't even call this a negative. This might be like a first world problem or at least like my computer monitor, but like the, the auction room was like kind of small on my monitor and I have like a big, like 23 inch. So it only took up about half the screen. So the only thing I wish it was a little bit bigger. So then all those little chat boxes and the player boxes and all that stuff was just a little bit bigger. That's my only negative. And I don't even call it a negative. My only like downside to what they, they say. It's not about the size though. It's how you use it. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Jake. We were all, we were all thinking like it. <laughs> so I do want to get your guys' takes on your actual team. So we'll, we'll save some time for that too, to actually break down how your team looked how your strategy actually played out, um, you know, as you were moving through this. But Jake, what was your initial thoughts going into this thing? I know we kind of touched on it very briefly at the end of the last show. You were like, man, I got no plan. Uh, so what, what were your what were your initial thoughts and, and, and takeaways for your experience? No, so when we, get, yeah, so when we signed off on that show, that was like the last thing I said. I was like, listen, I'm going into it zero prep. I'm just going to wing it once I get in there. And luckily, as soon as we ended that show, you're like, listen, Jake, I'm going to suggest that you go into the website, at least familiarize yourself with the draft room. Yes, go to the website. That was my, <laughs> that was my like, suggestion. You're like, you are registered, right? You're <laughs> anyway, so I went through, I did a few mocks. Uh, you, you know what? I'm glad I did that. That did help me. Um, I like how they have set up in that room, like the uh, the one co- one year contract, two year contract, three year contract, just like the quick hit buttons you can uh, you can get at the top there. But uh, it, even when you do those mock drafts, like it's it's hard to get a grip on, like it's totally different than when you're drafting with real people, I guess, than when you're doing it in in their mock draft. Because when they're doing it, the players as they're nominating them, they're coming off the board as if they're on like a rankings list. So like the first player that goes up, it's like you know Christian McCaffrey goes for this much and then it's going to go Saquon Barkley is going to go for a couple thousand dollars less and then it's going to be Dalvin Cook goes for a couple thousand dollars less whereas you get in the actual real life thing and then I'm like I'm ready for Christian McCaffrey to go on and then Kyle nominates uh who was it Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence. Trevor yeah. Lawrence goes first I'm like oh no I'm derailed already <laughs> uh, so, so right off the bat I was going into thinking okay I'm just gonna I'm gonna be very conservative for the first few rounds see how uh see how these picks fall off the board maybe you know, get it, get a grip on uh, player values. That's and that's mainly how I approached the quarterback position. I saw that with Trevor Lawrence. I saw what price Pat Mahomes goes for. And then, uh, guys, we talked about this a little bit before we went live. But um, and Addison, I think you brought this up. But when it kind of gets towards like the end of a tier, 
like teams start to get scared about these players and the price really starts to get jacked up. So it's, it's, it's weird. Cause it's not even like a, you know, it's not like a snake draft where it's just the best player available is always going off in, in, in order. Uh, you know, we had Pat Mahomes go for the same price as, you know, Addison. I think you signed uh, Joe Burrow for Yeah, it. God, who would do that? <laughs> it, was the same, it was the same exact price. Yeah. It was the same, same contract yeah. length, same amount of money. And I and I mentioned, I actually had that in my notes. I was like, Burrow was the last guy, like the way it Literally like, the panned last, out. He was the last one. Yeah, he and was I, the last, like, elite quarterback of that tier. Yeah. And you, yeah. you had to, you had to and pay I up if you wanted him. Patrick Mahomes' price, so <laughs> I want to ask that. you. I want to ask you if you're just like super bullish on Joe Burrow, or if you just it was a total desperation. Like I'm in trouble. I, I really, I did not want to be Kyle um, with his quarterback <laughs> situation. I, I figured I was like, listen, I need to get one of these young guys to put my four year deal on, and I like, and looking back on it, like I'm so mad, like. I spent $24 million more than what Lamar Jackson went for, you know, like 22 mil more than what Lawrence went for 10 mil more than what Kyler Murray and Josh Allen went for. Uh, and you know, even eight more than what Herbert went for. I'm like, man, like, so were man, you, were you going to just not lose that bid? Like how, no. how far were you going to take it? Like a hundred million? I probably would have stopped if he, if he beat me, like if he took it to 95, I probably was going to stop. I was going to be like, okay, this is more than Patrick. Mahomes, really. so we, we were, we were talking in the, cause we, we had a few, we had about almost about two thirds of the league was in a zoom call. So we were kind of chatting and sometimes it'd get real silent in there. Like people are, you know, you get serious and focused, but we all knew what the Mahomes contract was. So like, as it's going up, we're like, oh man, it's, it's getting there. And when it hit that same, that mark, I, it was, as it was you and I, at least just one other guy, yeah. I think had that last, like, 15 bids like it just kept going and going and yeah. going i was like man who's gonna who's gonna balk yeah. first well, it was a game of that, chicken that button is literally the exact lowest amount to beat the current high bid mm -hmm. so literally it's just a war between you and whoever's on the other screen Tennis in map. terms of who's going to be the last person to click this button <laughs> and so like literally it, it says and it's a 10 second clock so it's like 10 9 and it goes all the way down to like three or two seconds and then the, somebody clicks a button and it's like, okay, now we're at like 88.5. And then it, like, it goes another eight seconds, 89. And then another eight seconds, 89 and a half. You're like, stop. Just like stop <laughs> clicking the button. We got all the way up to freaking Patrick Mahomes. And I got Joe Burrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, dude, and that's, and that's what makes it so fun because honestly, like these, it's hard to, like when you're doing mock drafts, I, I'll, I'll just throw this out there as like, we'll kind of summarize at the end too. Any like tips and stuff for you guys. But like, I would, I mentioned it to Jake ahead of time too. Like I highly suggest like anytime you're doing an auction, even if you've done it on that site before, like get a feel for the room, whether, whether, whether you should be aware that that screen is only going to be half filled with the, you know, with how it's going to look or how the buttons work, you know, and how to bid, um, you know, cause you can definitely get, you know, you want to know too, like how can you manually bid, you know, as well. That's, that's something like when you're clicking that button, all it takes is one person to jump that lot more than you wanted to and if you click you know half a second after it you you just outbid them right so i i would definitely say some good takeaways as these guys are kind of talking about their initial experiences like get a feel for the room on the site right and it, and it's hard mm -hmm. to do mocks and get a feel for like how to spend because every auction is different um it truly is people say it, but it really is like you're you know depending on when the player is nominated depending on how that tier has been falling that we we could do the same auction that we did on saturday with the same group of guys tomorrow and i guarantee the contracts would 
while similar in nature would be completely different, you know, as far as, you know, the spend, you know, compared to what we have right now. So it's always fun to hear guys that are doing this for the very first time, especially on RSO. Um, so, Ad- so I know Jake didn't really have a plan, I guess. So Addison, did you have a, like a plan going in where you plan, you know, did you want to spend up on, you know, stars and scrubs? Were you trying to stay balanced? And then uh, in addition to that, did you actually, you know, execute that plan? <laughs> <laughs> so I had a, I had kind of a plan. The, the, my problem with this was I didn't trust the values that I had like pre-draft just from rankings and whatnot. I didn't trust the values that we got from the mock drafts. I feel like those are always overinflated from the computer and stuff. So I didn't really know price point wise where these players were actually going to end up in terms of total contract numbers. Right. So that I didn't really have a plan for. I did kind of have an overall roster construction plan. Like you said, like I kind of um, had ideas in terms of where I wanted to allocate my two, four year deals uh, maybe some of my three-year deals as well. Um, and then was kind of ready to be fluid as the draft went in terms of how that went. And that's why I went really hard on Joe Burrow is because I was like, I, I'm going to leave with one of these guys. And um, I chickened out on every other guy until eventually I paid Patrick Mahomes price on Joe Burrow. Um, but then, you know, I just kind of went with the rest of the room. And, and like I said, I was, as I was tracking through all these other player values, it kind of gave me a gauge for where, some other guys might end actually end up going and, you know, trying to be more aggressive earlier in tiers. Cause, uh, and that's honestly, that's my biggest takeaway from this whole entire thing. Like if I were to do this again, I would be attacking a lot earlier. I would be one of the first teams to be spending, you know, my first couple of contracts, winning a couple of these players because, and I mean that the quarterback example that we ran through was, wasn't the only example that that happened in where, you know, the first two players nominated were Trevor Lawrence and then Lamar Jackson. They both went for low 70 mil. All the other quarterbacks in that kind of here were 80 to 90 mil plus. Um, so that just shows you the value in those first two. That's not, like I said, that's not the only example. Because uh, I was tracking Tyree Kill is one of the first wide receivers <laughs> off the board. He went for uh, $58 million. Then here are other wide receivers who went for more for the exact same contract length. All right, so we have DeAndre Hopkins went for 58 and a half. Calvin Ridley went for 63. DJ Moore went for 60 and a half. Terry McLaurin went for 65 and a half. So, I mean, I would just read off all those names and you're like, wouldn't you rather have Tyree Kill straight up over all of them? Now take a five to seven million dollar discount on them. And it's just like, so that's that is honestly my biggest takeaway is to just be aggressive earlier uh, because those are really where the values are as these players and people actual managers get a feel for how much these guys are going to cost. Yeah. You gotta, you're, if you don't know, if you don't have a good feel for what the market's going to be, the only way to really know it is to watch it play out. And sometimes you miss out. Um, I'll like into perspective too, like, and you've did a great job. You actually stole my notes a little bit, but uh, (laughs) Lamar ended up going, I believe they all went for four years. I have to double check, but like as far as yeah. this value this year, Lamar actually went for less than all four of the other rookie quarterbacks and less than Tua because of just where he fell in, you know, and and people were kind of, I still, I think not sure yet, you know, how to, you know, exactly how to attack that. So someone got a steal there. Um, I put on here, Burrow was the last QB of the tier, which was hilarious. So he went same price as Patrick Mahomes, but you got your guy on a four year. So, I mean, that's at the end of the day, you don't, like you said, you don't have quarterbacks that look like mine. 
Um, and then the the three, this was the other thing I thought was just hilarious. They ended up being the first three wide receivers nominated was Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, and Stefan Diggs. Now they all didn't go for the same length of contract, but just with their value of what that owner is paying, they all went to the same owner. And so again, Hill, <laughs> Jefferson, and Diggs all went to the same owner. And for what their value is just in this upcoming season for 2021, Hill is the wide receiver 10, Jefferson is wide receiver 11, and Stefan Diggs is wide receiver 13. So he's paying low-end one prices for, you could argue, three of the top five wide receivers in, in 2021. So it was kind of, it's always, you know, and the longer your contracts, you know, the more the money spread out and, you know, that helps. But man, it, it definitely, I've, I've noticed as well, I think that's a great takeaway, Addison, like being aggressive can definitely pay off. You know, we, we saw, you know, a couple instances in which people kind of got a little out of whack. Like I think CeeDee Lamb went for like, someone's paying him like 6 million more than any other wide receiver this year, I think. Um, but like most of the time it paid off to be aggressive and there were a couple teams that did that. And man, I, I kind of like where they're at, but I mean, uh, we, we talked about, we talked about the one team before we jumped on here, this team, the team that went super aggressive and like, yeah, when we I was, really need to talk about this. Team. Yeah. Yeah. When, <laughs> Go I went, for it. when I went into this, I thought the way to do it was to be conservative and like, oh, okay, you know, obviously you don't want to blow all your money right away. Well, this guy came in and, like before. I'm I'm pretty sure before I even spent a dime of my salary. And well, I think you, I think Jake, I think you and one other team were the like waited the longest. Yeah. I think we actually even took a break or maybe even two. It was like over an hour in, yeah. and there was a team that hadn't spent a buck, and this guy was already he had done. Well, he I already think, picked up. I all think these we products. should also talk about his team as well. I think the, there's two teams that we need to talk about, and it's uh, the one that we're about to. And then Gronkomania, I think, is that other team that was the last yeah. team to spend. Um, so I think we should talk about both those teams because they're both really, really interesting in terms of how they attack this. All right, Jake, you take the first one. This is the guy that spent all his money in the first hour. <laughs> yeah, so what do we get to start out with? It's like $182 million or something? Yeah, so yeah. For, for notes for you guys out there, if you want to start a league on RSO, the RSO salary cap is set by the NFL salary cap. They really do try to mirror this um, site with the NFL salary cap. So it was $182.5 million. Uh, for this year, so go so, for it, man. so an hour into the draft, he's down to eleven million dollars. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yes, yes. It, so he he got that killer deal on Lamar Jackson, seventy and a half million four years, and then Christian McCaffrey goes right for him, goes right for Saquon Barkley. After that, AJ Brown, Dak Prescott, so quarterbacks Dak and Lamar, Calvin Ridley, CD Lamb, Antonio Gibson. Uh, and then he checked out for a while and came back. <laughs> he, he clocked out for like three hours. Yeah, yeah. Just a little, he took yeah, a was, nap. He got yeah. some food. Ran some errands, got it all done. It wasn't, yeah, his next player wasn't Devontae Parker and then uh, McCole Hardman, Darius Slayton. Uh, but you could argue with the firepower that he came out with just from being aggressive, and he <laughs> did get some solid deals on those contracts, even though he paid out the butt for the best players. Um, I mean, it's the it's the best roster, right? Did you say that he got Calvin Ridley? Yeah, I did. did. I remember I was in on that auction because I remember seeing that he was at the top of the list. I'm like, wait a minute. I was like, we can't let this guy get Calvin Ridley. I'm like, <laughs> why Why are we allowing this? And then eventually I chickened out and then he got him. But like, I'm looking at his roster and I'm like, okay, like if this guy literally skirts by with, without injury, he's set. But if he does have an injury, who's his RB3? If if Gibson or Saquon get, get hurt, who's yeah, he he's starting? He's looking at Keyshawn Vaughn, Royce Freeman, and Jalen Richard. Like, so, bye weeks are really going to hurt, and injuries are really going to hurt. Yeah, but it's the, an interesting build. 
the the other thing to the note with this that helped us i think a little bit as by us i mean everyone else in the league from not getting just curb stomped in year one was the fact that even with those guys he that he had again lamar and Dak, mccaffrey saquon ridley lamb aj brown and antonio gibson as in a flex spot he still had a tight end and this is tight end premium he did not get a tight end with all that money and he didn't have a second flex spot yet so he's still having to start two guys on peanut contracts from that despite all the studs i mean this was the this was definitely the most aggressive stars and scrubs approach i've ever seen in one of these formats and i mean it, it was insane um I'll add one more comment to this. I'll kick it back to you guys. It was hilarious. This thing, again, PSA, the startup auction takes about, I said six or seven. It ended up taking about seven to eight hours. So we did this all night, and it was hilarious because this guy, he told me he didn't do this just to get away. Um, He said this was a strategy, but we're on the Zoom call. We're about an hour in, and and his like wife or significant other walks by. In the background, you hear She's like, are you still doing that thing? <laughs> We're like, like we all laugh. Because <laughs> it's like, he definitely didn't tell her that this was going to be an eight-hour ordeal. But uh, yeah, it was definitely an interesting team. Um, Addison, do you have any any thoughts? And then we'll, we'll talk about the, this other team that was the last to spend. Um, <laughs> I, I went into the, um, the schedule. Would anybody like to take a guess as to who he plays in week one? Uh. <laughs> Well, I have it in front oh. of me. Uh, Jake, buddy. <laughs> yeah, Jake, you're going to get an L here. I was, Jake, you're gonna ask, one. <laughs> I was hoping you weren't going to ask me because I forgot you, who you were talking about. Yeah. The, the yeah. team that's stacked that won't be worrying about bye weeks. And uh, that's what you you, you're starting out 0-1. I'm sorry, yeah. buddy. Yeah, are you kidding me? Man? Oh, it doesn't matter because my quarterback's not starting, so that's convenient. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, I, I have this other – does anyone else have the the Gronkomania team up? So this is the team that picked last. Does anybody have it? Uh, yeah, I do. Okay. So, again, uh, this is this was the guy that picked at the – he picked last, and he actually walked away with, I believe, the most money left. He had almost $12 million left um, on his team. So there he has, he has a lot of cap space he did not spend, which – can be a strategy in this because he has less, he has gonna have more money in future years too because he doesn't have as much committed. But, um, yeah, Addison, why don't you roll through what his team looks like? Yeah. And I thought this was really interesting because I was going through this the entire auction and I was like, this guy's still at like 182 mil and everybody else is like in five figures right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so and his, his approach was interesting too because he waited and it, he, he's almost the equivalent of the guy in your startup snake draft that just trades down and has like 17 picks between rounds four through nine. Mm-hmm. And like, that's all he did. So his, his team is Baker Mayfield and Matthew Stafford at quarterback and Superflex. He's got JK Dobbins and Aaron Jones, Cooper cup, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, Mark Andrews, John Brown and Cortland Sutton. Those are, uh, that's his starting lineup at least. And then he kind of filled out with backup running backs and LaVisca Chenault and a couple other, uh, tight ends and stuff. So it's, uh, it was interesting because, you know, on the complete opposite of what the guy who he was literally done in an hour and spent all of his money in an hour, he waited like an hour and a half and then literally then like ripped off like 10 players in a row that he bought or at least was in on. And then he seemed like he was just in on everybody else, um, you know, for the rest of the night was always in on there. So I thought that that was really interesting and it was just really cool to see two completely different approaches to this 
and going completely studs and duds and then going all, you know, twos and threes, I guess, is what you could kind of look at that as. So, yeah. Yeah, it was it was definitely interesting because he was just waiting and waiting and waiting. And then, like you said, he just was going through and ripping off players. The thing that I actually when I looked back at this, he he took Mark Andrews and this is tight end premium. So he definitely has that edge compared to the other team. But, um, you know, and it, so he doesn't so he doesn't have a, like necessarily a weak spot like John Brown right now is in his lineup. But you could put Chanel there. He spent the money that way that he would be a starter. But I, it was funny because I don't know that his bench is overly deep either. He took Kenyon Drake. He has uh, J.D. McKissick. Um, Gronk. Uh, so I mean, like I get and Hayden Hurst. So he has he has more depth than the other team, but it was just really interesting to see how those teams definitely shaked out because they were on the opposite ends there. Jake, you were the uh, you were the second to last team to spend money. You were sitting on 180 to and a half million for a very very long time. We were giving you shit in the in the Zoom chat nonstop, waiting for you to do something. So uh, why why don't we start with your team? We'll go through our team, our individual teams, and kind of just go through them what our strategy was. So. As the guy that uh, waited the second longest sorry, to uh, to spend money, how did your team shake out, and, and what do you like, what do you don't like about how your team ended up? I didn't hate it in general for going into it feeling like, and I guess leaving it feeling like I didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, <laughs> leaving it that you didn't feel like you know. Yeah, yeah, sort of. I mean, that's the thing, like, I, I feel like I would never leave with this roster in a redraft league. Mostly because when it comes when it snakes around you in a redraft league, you kind of have like that tier of players or like that handful of guys. Um, uh, I don't know how I'm trying to say this, but like in in that group of guy, you have that your your guy that you're gonna pick. Whereas in an auction, it's it's all completely random. And then it, you know, for for example, like DeAndre Swift, he's not a guy that I'm 100 percent in on redraft this year. Um, <clears throat> I think Jamal Williams is going to be involved. I'm not, I don't love the whole Detroit offensive situation as a whole. Um, but when it got to the point, like with Addison and Joe Burrow, where it kind of hits the end of its tier, you kind of panic. And it's like, I got to make a move on DeAndre Swift. Thus mm-hmm. the DeAndre Swift four years. And then I get D- another guy who I wouldn't ever think I would have on one of my redraft teams and David Montgomery. Just again, I guess I would call that the end of a tier being that the tier of uh, guys that I at least expect to get the ball on a regular basis. Well, I'll add this too, as you're going through the rest of your team, like yeah. I ended up with Najee Harris and Alvin Kamara, which were like a, two of the first handful of running backs off the board. And it, it was funny because now I'm sitting there like, my God, I hope that I set the market right. And these guys aren't going for super deals because I'm not going to be in now on those running backs. So like you can definitely kind of price check it a little bit and and things. But as I was watching, like I know Swift was the one for sure. I'm like, man, I hope he doesn't go for cheap. And he kind of like, it kind of took a while and eventually got there. And I think they were all about even um, between the the three of them. But man, it can be, it can be uh, just as nerve wracking on the opposite side after you've bought the uh, bought players to just see how that uh, how the market shapes out. So, um, so you got Montgomery and Swift as your two running backs here. How did the rest of your team shake out? Uh, you know what? Fine and dandy with a DK Metcalf pick. I was feeling kind of high and mighty after that one. I like DK Metcalf for uh, four years, seventy million. Um, follow that up with Keenan Allen, Chase Claypool, a little Adam Thielen on a one year deal, Rashad Bateman. Um, I feel like I got a little bit of age on my team, and then I feel like I got some younger guys on the end with Rashad B- Bateman, Kadarius Tony, Brian Edwards, Deami Brown, um, Anthony Ferkser, which we, we, I'm just hoping can be something at this point in that offense. <laughs> um, 
but all again, all in all, not disappointed with it. If I could do it all again, I would have done it the aggressive style that Mr. <laughs> Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. That, that I mean, you know, that that's the team I wanted. But sitting back conservatively and just kind of waiting for whatever fell to me, and then kind of overpaying for that. You know, again, not totally disappointed with the team, but I feel like it could have went better. And I, I definitely adjust the strategy going into it uh, for the second time around. Yeah, I thought overall your team ended up pretty good. Uh, you're, you have really strong, like your receivers are really strong in this format. You know, even with the contracts, um, Allen, Claypool, and Medcalf, obviously stud three wide receivers. And then you still have Lockett and Thielen in the flexes. And, you know, like Addison alluded to earlier, like the fact I don't like Adam Thielen a whole ton, but on a one-year contract for, right. you know, pretty low-end money, like, you know, uh, compared to he went for $11.5 this year. That was, that's got to be low-end two money. I would guess, you know, um, without looking all the way through, but and um, I, definitely quick, interesting. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys, and Addison, you spoke to it a, a little bit ago about like allocating the the contracts, like the the league we did. I think we set it up for you can you can offer two four year deals, four three year deals, four two year deals, and then like a, a bunch of one year deals, right? Yep, mm-hmm. uh, correct. Is that, is that like pretty standard? I I've done uh, I think like the recommendation from the RSL guys and I get you guys can if you're playing around with this you can do as many as you want so I in the two other RSL leagues that I've done in the past actually it's been less multi-year contracts um, which just creates more turnover um, so it, it's it was more like half of that I think there were like six combined multi-year contracts in the other leagues I've done so even though I had experience in this we had more multi-year contracts so then I was like man and I wish I would have spent more time on this is that I didn't really put a ton of thought into like how I'm going to use those. Like I, I knew the, I definitely went through and I knew the players, like here's the group that I want to spend four years on three-year contracts, two-year contracts. Like I did that, but I wasn't necessarily, I wasn't as um, looking back on it. Like I wish I would have said like, I want at least one Q, one young QB on a four-year contract instead, as we'll get to like my two quarterbacks are Jared Goff and Matt Ryan. And I have them on two-year deal. So like, even if they do get me through the next two seasons, like I got to figure out my quarterback longer term as a lot of these younger guys are all on four-year contracts and I'm not going to see them in the player pool for a while. I'm going to have to trade for them or figure out some rookies. So yeah, you know, um, I, I screwed up, I screwed up royally with my contract <laughs> because I, I didn't realize until the end of the draft that I still had a three-year deal to offer somebody. And that hung around until I gave a three-year deal to Josh Palmer for three years, sixty-five million or six six million. Six million. I mean, that, that's not bad. I mean, yeah, I did not give him sixty-five million. I mean, I'm new. Come on. It was Palmer when that was an interesting. It happened to another team. There was another team that took Terrence Marshall. I think he got him for like seven million, but over three years. So like he has him extremely, extremely cheap. So you can definitely go that route in these types of leagues too. I've seen guys do that where they use the multi-years on cheaper contracts. And that way they're not as committed. But in this, there were so many multi-year contracts. It was really tough to do. So Yeah, and I did not do it on purpose. It was just, <laughs> it was just, it was just a boneheaded move. That's always, that always makes it more fun. A- Addison, what did, what did, uh, how did your team shake out? And what did, what did you like? What did you not like? Yeah, so um, we can bypass Joe Burrow's contract and price. Um, but <laughs> I also have, like I said before, Tom Brady on a two-year deal. And then I rounded out my quarterback room because this is super flex. With uh, and I and I really like this. I ended up uh, kind of targeting uh, Mac Jones on a four-year deal as my last four-year guy, because in my mind I was like, these rookies really only make sense on three or four-year deals. Like 
Um, I didn't really like to just say, well, if I get Mac Jones for one year, what is that going to get me? Because I don't think he's going to be that great in 2021. I need to give him time to develop. Otherwise, he's just wasting, you know, salary cap on my bench all year and not doing anything. So um, it ended up as we moved kind of down the throughout the rest of the auction that I was really going to target Mac Jones as my QB three on a four year deal and see what happens and go with that. And it was pretty cheap, too. It was it was uh, four for what is that? Nine million dollars. Is that what I have on there? Yeah. Yeah. So, Um, yeah, it was like (laughs) it it was roughly 10 million a year uh for four years though but um the thing was like i because i actually i noted that that was one of my favorite contracts in out of the auction because like you said you locked him in for four years even if he's a low end two that's low end two money and you have him locked in um Mm -hmm. you know you're that's a that's a valuable piece right there so i i liked how your quarterbacks ended up even uh even as much as we were poking fun of the borough contract uh (laughs) you're not you're not left without a paddle type of thing man i think you, you went you uh ended up with a good plan there right yeah, and then um, my my wide receiver room is also pretty strong. I got A-Rob uh, on a three-year deal, Michael Thomas on a two, Mike Evans on a three, and Robert Woods on a two. Uh, so I really like just kind of – and that's just my general <laughs> dynasty build is I like to just hammer out four or five, you know, really strong wide receivers, um, you know, kind of being fluid depending on if it's a start two versus start three. This is start three. So I wanted to make sure I had um, at least those three, and then I really prioritized, you know, trying to get – um, at least the fourth one in there for bye weeks and then also as a flex play. Um, so I really, you know, kind of went after that. And then just the way that wide receivers just in general are seemed a little bit deeper. And um, when we got to kind of the end of the auction overall, Jarvis Landry, um, I kind of spent up for him. I didn't really mean to. It just kind of happened. Uh, Sterling Shepard, Jacoby Myers, uh, just taking shots on what those guys could potentially be. Um, I somehow, I don't know how this happened, but I snagged Tyrell Williams as like yeah. one of the last players in the auction. And um, I was like, I saw that he was like player 370 or something on their RSO ranking. So he got buried hardcore from anybody's, <laughs> you know, perspective. And then I just like, I was like, okay, we are at the point where everybody's throwing out your player. You win them for the minimum and then you move on to the next one. So I was like, Tyrell Williams <laughs> for men. Okay. <laughs> we'll see what happens. So I was glad I was able to do that. And I figured I got your appro- approval on that one, Kyle. Yeah, because <laughs> I miss I. Jake said he made a mistake about not realizing he had a three year deal. Like I was messing around, and I I had not put I my calculation of my number of roster spots was off. So I had Tyrell like written down elsewhere. I was like, hey, this is a guy that if he's if I'm going to nominate and try to get him for men, but even if someone else does, I'll jump it to a million and I'll be fine with that. Like for a one year. And then bit, I had screwed around on another player. I forgot to mark him on my the tracking sheet I was using. And so I was a player short, or I thought I had an extra roster spot in essence. And so by the time I finished my roster, I was like, shoot, I didn't get Tyrell Williams. <laughs> and then I was hoping that he would just make his way into the free agent pool. Um, but you, I think Addison, you and another team were probably just in there by yourselves for the last like 10 minutes because you guys had a lot of <laughs> roster spots to fill. And I saw that you got him for the minimum. I was like, damn it. You know, that was, that was a good get too. So yeah. you, well, it, it's send, send me a second rounder. You can have, <laughs> Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so did, yeah. did you overall, did you like how that panned out just as your, as your team as a whole? Yeah. Yeah, I did. My running back room is kind of iffy. Um, but that, again, that's just kind of my general strategy is I like to get, um, kind of a stud to just have as my anchor, 
uh, and then kind of stream out the the rest of the RB2 spot and maybe have one or another that could potentially fill in as a flex, depending on how injuries go. So I got Nick Chubb on a three. Um, I, I kind of went hard on Miles Gaskin as well. Um, and then yeah, Mike baby. Davis. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I got I got Mike Davis pretty hard uh, because and I think everybody else noticed that because it was like we're going through all this whole entire list of all these running backs and it's like okay who's the last like the literally the last one like Latavius Murray's already gone like yes. all these other like Tony we were like Pollard's two tiers gone. past Ronald Jones is gone and then it's like wait Mike Davis is still out there so I was like purposely trying to save money because I was like all right I need to get like into at least ten mil. For Mike Davis, and he got bumped all the way up. I got into another freaking auction war, and I have it for 19 mil. I was definitely in that auction war for a minute. And to put that in perspective, you got him for one year, 19 mil. Uh, That Derrick Henry, Henry, stop, stop. (laughs) Derrick Henry, four million less. (laughs) Stop. So that's what I mean. Be aggressive early, so then you don't have to overpay later. That was the that the funny thing too, because Asin wasn't in the Zoom call, but we the, there was a team that was in the Zoom call, and he didn't have any running backs, like no, like he had none. And I'm just watching Mike Davis's name just still sitting in there. I'm like, who's going to nominate and start this disaster? Because it we were clearly beyond the point where he should have been left over, especially in this, because you're not drafting him in a dynasty, right? And whoever got him could have easily put him on a one year and felt really really good about his value this season. That's exactly what happened. But it just kept going and going and going and going and going. And so I think he's I think he's got to be what the third highest paid running back this year. But um again, that it's different because you're only really you only handcuffed to him for this season. So the way I look at it as the positive is I'm gonna have a ton of cap space next year. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> exactly. I'm so, gonna be in some free agents next year. So we'll see how I, that goes. I definitely liked how your team panned out. Um that one that was definitely a team that I, I liked quite a bit. Um your quarterback situation was awesome again, Burrow. But then Tom Brady with Mac Jones waiting in the wing there is was was really really good. My team overall, I'll just touch on it real quick. Uh, my general strategy is like I like to remain kind of balanced. I don't like oh like spending a ton a ton of money in these. Just like I like to have everybody, even my best guys, you know, around under twenty million, right? Which is usually like I'm not going to have a guy contract wise, you know, inside the top you know, five at a position, right? I'm usually going to be closer towards, you know, 10 to 12. So how this ended up for me, I got absolutely hosed on quarterbacks. I waited too long. I missed the Joe Burrow tier. Then uh, the rest of those tiers just kept falling away and I got absolutely crapped on. So this was before the Julio trade. I got Matt Ryan, which I felt okay about at the time. Now I hate it. So I have Matt Ryan and Jared Goff on two-year contracts. And then I had to overspend later on Ryan Fitzpatrick as my third QB because I didn't have any confidence in my first two guys. So I ended up paying Fitzpatrick almost as much as I'm paying Goff and Ryan, but he's only on a one year. So there's that. Uh, my running backs are pretty solid. I paid uh, Kamara and Najah Harris. I feel like I got that. I got them on multi-year contracts. Um, I had a pretty decent clip, so I felt pretty good about that. Um, and then I got, uh, I got um, was it Naeem Hines, like extremely cheap. I got Leonard Fournette and David Johnson pretty cheap. So I felt like I got some, some solid players there at running back wide receivers where I spent a four year contract on Jerry Judy, but it relatively good value. So I felt decent about that. T Higgins on a multi-year contract. And then the guy on Higgins, I was so mad at you. (laughs) I was, I would, that was the player I got in a bidding war on. I was, I was like, I am not losing this player. Um, So I, I went, I paid quite a bit for him, uh, but I got him on a three year. How much did you get for Higgins? I paid him. 
I 47 and a half over three. So four, 14, 15 million this year. Um, I'll have to take a look at your roster, Jake, because there was another player. It was Higgins and, and Claypool were both like the last two young guys that I thought yeah. were worth like a lot of money. So I, I got Higgins first and I tried to get Claypool too, but you freaking took him. So yeah, you and I were going um, at it on that one. But I think yeah. I, uh, so T Higgins went for 47, five uh, that, that's over three years. I was going to say Jamar chase, I think went for four years, but it was 80 million or something like that. Yeah. It was, it, it was a it, big one. Yeah. There was a couple guys that kind of the opposite of that, of the uh, Lamar deals where I was like, man, that's hefty. But um, and I, I ended up uh, sort of wrap this team. I got George Kittle. I spent a, oh, I, I thought it was okay. Like he's, it was actually only like four million overall, more than Pitts. So I was like, I'm I'm good with that for Kittle and Montier. So my team ends up being my uh, Matt Ryan, Jared Goff, Kamara, and Najee Harris, uh, T Higgins, Judas Schuster, Jerry Judy. I got Amari Cooper on a two year deal. Tyler Boyd, who I own in every single league, and if I own Tyler Boyd, then I automatically also have to own. Juju, so that cl- completed the Infinity Stones for me. Um, just ridiculous, and then I got stuck with Will Fuller trying to be a uh, <laughs> trying to be a price checker, um, but he is all right. And then I got uh, Evan Ingram super super cheap too because it was late in the draft. So overall, my quarterbacks are trash. Um, so I'm have to. I got some work to do, but again, I, I definitely went with a strategy of you know spending those multi years on young players. But if I had to do it again, I would have spent those multi years on r- young quarterbacks. Um, because now I'm, I got some work to do in this thing. So, um, we, uh, so th- those are our teams. Hopefully you guys had good takeaways. I know I don't like talking about my own team too often, but, uh, in this auction, it just makes it so interesting. Cause you're, it's not just who falls to you. It's who you want to go get, what your strategy was. Um, so as we kind of put a bow on this discussion, what was, what, what were you, and you kind of mentioned it through the show as well, but what were some final takeaways, any advice you would give people? Um, as they are considering whether it's RSO or just other auctions, like what's some advice you might give people? We'll t- we'll start with Addison. Uh, <laughs> be aggressive early. I feel like we <laughs> freaking said that like fifteen times. Um, no, seriously. If if you're if you're interested in salary cap or auction, this is a fantastic format to really get in because, and especially you know the RSO one specifically, because it's kind of a a unique blend where it's not really dynasty because we're not keeping everybody year over year, but you keep enough of your roster. We're keeping, I think about a third, um, maybe a little more, a little less, something about that. Uh, but you get franchise tags as well. Uh, one franchise tag per year. And then like we mentioned, you get two, four years and then four, three and two years and then unlimited ones, but that renews every year. So next year, every team gets an additional two, four year deals. Um, you know, your rookie uh, drafts and stuff like that is just a typical rookie draft and contracts and salaries are priced as if they were in the NFL, you know, stuff like that. So this is really, really unique because like I said, it's not dynasty per se. It's not redraft and it's more than just your standard one, two, three keeper league as well. So it's got a lot of moving parts and a lot of uh, different strategies and ways to attack this stuff. And I thought it was really, really fun. Um, And I would definitely recommend if you're into any of this going to, and doing it on RSO. Don't mess with MFL. Don't mess with fan tracks. Don't mess with any of that stuff for salaries and contracts because RSO, I think, is is the way to go about it. 
There you go. I, that's that's good stuff, Jake. What was uh, any takeaways, advice as the as not only your first ever auction, but diving right in into RSL, which as Addison's alluded to, is is pretty deep stuff. So thoughts? No, yeah, Addison pretty much hit the nail on the head. I mean, that was that was my main takeaway. Is next time I'm doing this, I'm going all in on the first couple of rounds <laughs> worth of players. You know, I'm, I want to come out of there with some. Uh, some real golden ticket type players. So um, that's my main takeaway. Main, uh, you know what? M- my second main takeaway to uh, if you're if you're gonna go all nighter and do this in one night, I would pre- I would prep the coffee before you, you start. And uh, yeah, maybe I'll stick with that as my main takeaway. I, I I'll definitely say. And again, just like I I love this format. These are my favorite leagues. I I started one last year because we were in quarantine and like was looking for something to do. So glad that I did that last year. It was my first experience as the commissioner. Um, the site is is pretty commissioner friendly, even if you're doing it for the first time. But those the guys over at RSO, I've reached out to them on Twitter. Um, you know, check out their handle. They have their own show that they cut, touch on this stuff pretty in depth. But they do a great job giving you guys tips and and things on how to use their platform. Their FAQ is awesome, so I, I definitely recommend you taking a look at that. Um, but it does take a really, really long time to do it yeah. because it's live and you need everybody there. So I've, I've done it where you, you can pause it and like overnight and, and get back to it, but you need everybody in the room. So it's really, really tough. Um, so all you the guys that are, pause it. That's- yes. Yeah. We pause it a bunch. Um, we pause it a bunch, every like 30 minutes. We're doing a pause real quick. <laughs> yeah. I got, uh, I got a little pause. crazy, but, uh, <laughs> We're but in, like, it, it, it we're in like the 16th round of players. I'm like, can we please not pause? We, finally, I was like, man, I'm not stopping this anymore. Like, we just need to go. And it was, it uh, it went a little bit late. But um, re- real quick, last thing, because I, I do think it's worth mentioning. Addison, did you, uh, you kind of mentioned it, but were you tracking contracts as it was, as it was going? I, I have a, I still have the sheet. I have uh, a sheet with every contract in terms of salary and the total amount. Um, I did not, and that's why I asked you, um, yeah. I did not track the order that they were nominated, which I really wish I did. And the only, I only really have it just based off of memory in terms of remembering that Lawrence and Jackson were early and then Tyreek and Diggs were early, you know, and, and that's the only thing that I wish I did, but I have a sheet of, of years and total salary. So gotcha. I do have that. Yeah, I, I have, that's the, the, like, I use a similar thing. I definitely, we talked, we've talked about it enough, but like tier your guys out ahead of time. Cause like for me, what I, when I do any auction, I always tier those guys out. I usually put a price, you know, what I think that tier is going to be worth. That way I kind of know what to spend, but I think Addison did a great job, you know, being his first RSO auction. Like that's something that I do. I make sure as we go through the auction, I'm putting prices next to those guys so that when, somebody that I have ranked within a spot or two comes up, I kind of know like, okay, this is what this other guy went for. And you can kind of gauge like, okay, am I, am I bidding too much here? And can I get out on this guy and go just go to the next guy in the tier? Or if you're in that burrow situation where it's like, Nope, this is it. It's do or die. And sometimes you just have to put a little bit of money, extra money there and then balance your budget out ahead of time. But, or, you know, later on as you go, like, all right, I'm 5 million over on this spot. I gotta, I gotta cut somewhere else. So, um, but, uh, yeah, no, that's good stuff. I highly recommend that if you can do it, uh, keep track of the contracts or prices as you go through. So, yep. yeah, it's definitely stuff. helpful. Cause like I said, you get to the point where you're like, cause I did that actually TJ Hawkinson was the first player that I won and we already had a couple of the tight ends go off. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle went off. Um, so, and TJ Hawkinson was there and I, was, I already knew what the other guys went for. And I was like, okay, I was like, I can, you know, I can take it up to this point. 
because I feel like that's a, a, a good difference between the two that kind of showcases the difference in value. So I did that for everybody and I was doing that the entire time. And that's why I was just like, we got to some of these players and I'm like, okay, um, why is Terry McLaurin going for, you know, $7 million more than Tyree kill? Like that's not, you know, that's again, we've talked, that's like the motto of tonight is just these early guys are values. Nature, nature of the beast (laughs) for sure. Um, but uh, Jake, any, any parting thoughts on this? Any, any notes for the people as we put a bow on this auction discussion? No, sir, but I'm excited to talk about some wide receiver action next week. Yeah, we're going to be diving into some wide receiver strategy. We talked zero RB last week. Hopefully, this encourages you guys to do some auction stuff. And last but not least, Addison, you mentioned to me, so I don't know how public this is, I guess, but are are you willing to share? Are you doing some uh, some DLF content around this? Yes. Yeah, so my plan is to do a uh, an auction-type strategy video for DLF on DLF's YouTube channel. Um, and it's going to kind of be centered around this whole entire draft that we just did. So um, if you listen to this, it's probably just going to be the same thing of early guys or values. But uh, yeah, definitely, if you want more of this kind of content, just from my straight alone perspective, uh, DLF's YouTube channel, on top of just being an awesome source for Dynasty content with a lot of different people, not just me, from other DLF guys as well on there, dropping content uh, basically every single day, Monday through Friday. So yeah, DLF's YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, I highly recommend it. Addison and the guys over at DLF do a really good job. I always uh, tune into those when I get a chance. Uh, so I'll be looking forward to uh, to checking that one out as well. As we talked a little, as he talks a little RSO, a little bit of auction here. Was glad to be a part of this little guinea pig league. So uh, definitely recommend you guys check this out. If you have any questions, feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Kyle Month Eight. Again, check out the RSO handle and the, the team over there. You can follow Jake on Twitter at Jake Takes FF. Follow Addison at AmazeHaze underscore. And appreciate, I did see some reviews over on Apple Podcasts that even called out this very show, Jake. The people are liking what we're doing here. So we're doing something right. (laughs) All right, with that, boys, you guys take it easy. We'll be back with some wide receiver discussion next week. And stay subscribed for more from the Warzone Network later on this week. See you guys later.